It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. Swing and a fly to right and deep. Get up! Get up! Get out of here and gone! For Eric Flames, and he strikes again. This is Brewers on Tap. Jamie's wheels and deals struck him out swinging. Now it's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello and welcome to episode number 90 of Brewers on Tap. I am Lane Grindle. Good to have you with us for an all-star edition of the podcast this week. It's been a good past week for Brewers baseball. It's been a nice finish to the unofficial end of the first half of the season. Brewers are five and a half games in front in the NL Central and uh, they did it with a big, big finish to this week. Let's pick things up last Wednesday. 4 nothing win over Baltimore. Matt Garza tossed six and a third innings of scoreless baseball. Then on Thursday, 11-2 win over the Cubs. It was that one and only game. It was a makeup from May. And the Brewers got out to a 2 nothing lead. And then a seven-run third inning just completely took the air out of the balloon in that one. And the scoring started off in that inning with a two-run home run from Ryan Braun. Brewers ended up scoring seven runs again in the third inning, added a couple more in the later innings, and ended up winning that game 11-2 over the Cubs. Friday, 9-4 over the Yankees. Jesus Aguilar with a grand slam in that one. Seven total RBIs for him. And Josh Hader came out of the bullpen after a rain delay, and he struck out seven in relief. Saturday, a 5-3 loss to the Yankees. Brewers led the entire way. Domingo Santana hit a three-run home run in the first. That was the only scoring until the seventh inning. Yankees got a couple of runs finally against Brent Suter, who went six and a third and gave up just those two earned runs. But the Brewers were walked off in the ninth and a three-run home run by Clint Frazier. It was the only loss this week for the crew because Sunday it was a 5-3 win over the Yankees. Travis Shaw delivered a first-inning three-run homer. Steven Vogt hit a solo shot for his fourth home run in a Brewers uniform. Again, 50-41 and 41 now, the overall record for the crew. Five and a half games clear of both the Cubs and the Cardinals on top of the NL Central. Brewers announced the rotation for the Philadelphia series this weekend at Miller Park. Coming out of the All-Star break, you're going to see Zach Davies on Friday, Jimmy Nelson on Saturday, and Matt Garza on Sunday. The All-Star game, of course, this week, and that was an American League victory in 10 innings by a score of 2-1 to one over the National League. The Brewers' lone representative in the All-Star game, right-handed reliever, closer, Corey Knable. He did not get into the contest. Disappointing for Brewers fans, but at the same time, he threw 49 pitches over the weekend against the Yankees. They were stressful pitches as well. as a couple stressful innings for Corey Knable. Probably not the worst thing in the world that he was able to rest his arm and get himself set up for the second half of the season. Okay, let's brew up the past. The pitch to Cooper. Face hit, unpeel a liner. One run home. Downing throw coming on. Gander's drive. He's safe. Wow. 4-3 Milwaukee. Now let's brew up the past. 
As we brew up the past, we look back at 1982, the Brewers and their All-Star representative. Since it is All-Star Week, the Brewers, of course, in 82, three All-Stars at the break. It was Cecil Cooper at first base, Ben Ogilvy in the outfield, and, of course, shortstop Robin Yount. I had a chance to ask Cecil Cooper about how special it was to share that moment with a couple of his teammates. No question about it. I was thinking about that the other day when I saw uh, that the Golden State Warriors are going to have like four guys on on the All-Star team. I'm like, you know what? We had a whole bunch back then, too. We had the same thing. And it's a good feeling to know your buddy is going to be right there with you. Remember the Brewers with those three All-Stars, but Pete Vukovic, who was a Brewer, of course, in 1982, won the Cy Young and uh, was not named to the All-Star team. So that tells you just how good that team was. Plenty of guys that could have been All-Stars that uh, didn't make the team that year that either did later in their careers or had earlier in their careers. You also had Raleigh Fingers in 81 that was an All-Star. Ted Simmons in 81 that was an All-Star. Gorman Thomas was an All-Star in 81. Paul Molitor was an All-Star in 80. And those guys were all parts of those teams uh, through that whole run, but, of course, a big part of that 1982 nucleus. All right, let's uh, break it down with our general manager. Let's break it down. Welcome to another edition of the David Stern Show, our monthly installment of our conversation with the Brewers general manager. And as we sit here today, 46 and 40, six games over 500, and three and a half games clear in the NL Central as we approach the All-Star break. This is this is a tremendous place to be in. It's not the finished product, obviously, yep. and you've been quick to point that out, but you have to be really pleased with how everything's come together so far this year. I am, and I think as an organization, we have a reason to be proud of how we've played for this first half of the season, and, and we are now past that halfway point. Um, we have a really good chunk of the season to understand what this team is, uh, how this team has played together, how it's come together, how it's grown together, and I think we all have to be pleased about where we are right now. Anytime you're in first place halfway through the season, um, it's an accomplishment. Obviously, it's not the, the end goal. Um, we've got a lot of work left yet to, to get to where uh, we ultimately want to go, which is baseball in October. Um, but this is a step in that, in that direction, and, um, and it's a good place to be on, on June, uh, June 5th or 6th or 7th. You kind of alluded to this already in that um, this, this isn't a small sample size anymore. This is over half yeah. of the season. And you and I have talked a couple of times over the course of the season and early on tempering things. Hey, we're playing well now, but there's a lot of baseball left. There's still a lot of baseball left, yeah. but th there's something here. You, you, you have found some things here that are working clearly. And one of the things that, you know, when, when you're 46 and 40 and sitting in first place, there's a lot of reasons why. But it seems like one of the overwhelming things is depth. And you, yep. you've been able to really go out there and find guys that were either blocked in another system or maybe had been given up on that just needed that opportunity. And that, that seems to be a pretty good theme up and down this roster. It is. I think it's, um, it's unusual for a first-place team to have one all-star. And, and that's what we have right now. And Corey Knabel, and he's very deserving. Um, but the fact that we only have one all-star and we're in first place uh, tells me that we have a lot of guys contributing in a lot of different ways, and it's, we're not just a, a roster that's led by one or two players. Um, and, and so that speaks to the depth that you talk about. It, it speaks to some of the contributions we've gotten from players coming up through our system, uh, from some of our minor league free agent signings, from some of our waiver claims. And all of those guys together have produced a team that, that sits in first place today. It really just hasn't been one or two guys. It's been a, a full team of of 25 or 30 guys 
uh, that have contributed to, to where we are at this point. You're sitting 46 and 40. You are in first place. And when we've talked in the past, you've said you don't know that there will ever be a definition of the Brewers being a buyer or a seller. Your goal is going to be to try to improve the, the organization moving forward. Mark Adanasio has said you have the ability to do what you need to do. If you want to go, go for it a little bit this year, you can do that. If you want to sit back and see what develops, you can also do that uh, also. And so from that standpoint, I would ask you, is there a middle ground there, though, where you can look at controllable assets beyond 2017 that can also impact 2017? There are a few pieces like that that could be out there on the, on the market this year. Yeah, I, I think it, it's safe to, to say that to the extent we look to add to this current major league grouping of players, um, we would do so with players who have the ability to be here for, for years into the future. Um, when, we, when we speak of our overarching goal and our long-term goals of the organization, it's to continue to compete year in and year out. Um, and to the extent we can further that goal and also help this current group this year, uh, we, we certainly have to explore those, type, those types of acquisitions. Um, it's not clear that those types of acquisitions are always available. Um, sometimes the, the price of those types of players who are available are very steep um, from a talent perspective. And so... We're going to have to weigh all of that as, as we look at this over the, the next two months. And, and I know a lot of times people focus on July, um, but we can make trades into August. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more challenging to do. Um, but really, we have two months now uh, to continue to evaluate our major league team, uh, to continue to, to determine what alternatives are out there, and if any of them make sense both for the near term this year and the long term in the coming years as we as we further our goal of competing consistently in this division. And you were able to make a move that maybe didn't grab as many headlines as it should have, but you acquired a two-time All-Star in 15 and 16 behind the plate in Stephen Vogt, who had been designated for assignment, and at least so far it looks like the change of scenery has been the perfect thing for him. Yeah, Stephen's been a, uh, a jolt in our clubhouse a little bit, and, and obviously the, the production on the field has been mm -hmm. certainly a welcome addition. And those are the types of acquisitions that we have to, have to look at. Um, Steven became available because another team that is not contending this year uh, had a young catching prospect that they wanted to call up and get playing time. Um, and so he became available, and we were fortunate enough to, to be able to acquire him via a waiver claim. And, and we think he's the type of guy who can fit into this ball club nicely. And we weren't necessarily looking to upgrade our, our catching situation. We think uh, that both Jet Bandy and Manny Pena uh, have done really solid jobs throughout the first half of this year. But to be able to add the left-handed bat, uh, to be able to add the veteran presence, we thought was something that was worth doing at this point. There's two guys right now that, uh, in my opinion, aren't getting enough attention across the country. And you just mentioned one of them, Manny Pena, is having uh, really a, a very fine season behind the plate, doing good things at the plate too, but probably one of the top four or five catchers in the National League this year, if you look at the numbers. And Orlando Arcia, we know what he can do defensively, but the growth that he's made at the plate, you have to be jumping for joy yep. with what he's been able to do because it got going with him going to right field a lot, but now he's hitting the ball everywhere. Yeah, but both of those players, the growth and development that they've displayed offensively uh, during the first half of the season has certainly exceeded my expectations. Those are, are two guys who we knew are very talented defensive players, um, but probably had steps left to take on the offensive side of the ball, and they both worked exceptionally hard. Uh, they've worked very well with our hitting coaches, Darnell Coles and Jason Lane, and, and we've begun to see it pay off. And Orlando's been on, on one of those streaks 
uh, over the last couple of weeks where it seems like everything he hits is hard and it falls in. And, and we've seen that uh, translate into some really impressive numbers. And, and when you talk about the type of defensive player he is, and you add to that the type of offensive contributions we're getting from him now on a regular basis, and, and you get a really impact major league player, and he's helping us win a lot of games right now. How amazed have you been at the way Travis Shaw's handled his situation and continued to play uh, about as elite as yeah. anybody at third base is playing this year? And, and, and all the while, when he's at home, he's going straight to the hospital to be with his daughter. When the games are over, when he's on the road, he's checking in as, as frequently as he can. Really amazing how he's been able to compartmentalize all of this and, and, and handle it uh, with all the maturity that he has. It is. You, you put the off-the-field stuff aside, and even what he's done just from a playing perspective, assuming that there were no challenging circumstances, would be really impressive. Mm -hmm. and, and he's been one of the most consistent players in baseball all year. And then you add on to that what he's dealing with when he leaves the ballpark and what has to be on his mind uh, constantly and, and going through this with his wife and daughter. Um, it, it's really remarkable, and I think we all have a tremendous amount of respect for how he's handling himself um, and how he's, he's caring for his family um, and still contributing to our team. You've seen ups and downs from Keon Broxton throughout the year. He is, when he is up, man, there, there are very few guys in baseball that play the way he can. And then he has those down trends as well. Is that just a byproduct of a guy that basically has less than a season of full at-bats, uh, less than a full season of at-bats under his belt? I mean, you're going to expect some of that, right? And that should start to normalize a little bit as he goes further on in his career? Over time, we, we would expect the, the peaks and valleys to even out a little yeah. bit. And um, Keon certainly, to this stage in his major league career, has been a streaky player. I'm yeah. sure, sure he feels that and uh, is, is striving to, to smooth that out. But um, when he gets going, we see the type of talent that mm -hmm. he has and um, we see the type of impact player that he can be and he, he can really take over games um, for, for weeks at a time when he's in one of those stretches. Um, obviously, consistency is, is the next step, and um, if, if we can get him to that point, if he can get himself to that point, uh, we'll be looking at really one of the elite outfielders in the National League. Another outfielder that uh, last year had to be a very frustrating year for was Domingo Santana. Just couldn't stay healthy, yep. couldn't get uh, into a rhythm because he couldn't get on the field consistently, and there were big expectations for him coming into last year it seems like this year was, is what last year was supposed to be for Domingo Santana. He's been very consistent. Uh, he's, he's played well in right field, but, but at the plate, he's come through for you time and time again when you need it. He has. He's, he's had a tremendous offensive first half, and um, I, I think you're right. I think we came into last year, uh, and we gave Domingo that right field job, and, and we were ready for him to take that next step forward in his career. Um, and for a variety of different reasons, we never quite got there. And, and this year uh, we have, and, and we've seen a very consistent, very powerful offensive player who can do it in different ways. Um, and he's been, a, he's been a huge force on, on this team. So it's, it's a credit to his perseverance. It's a credit to our coaching staff. It's a credit to our medical staff. Um, and, and I think as an organization, it's a lot of fun to see him do what he's doing right now on a nightly basis. And going around that outfield, we were talking about moves that you could make you, you almost made one just by getting Ryan Braun back yep. that's a pretty good deal to make in the middle of a season to get that bat back in your lineup Let, let's go to the pitching staff quickly Jimmy Nelson's emerging Chase Anderson was emerging yep. before the injury I mean those two guys were establishing themselves as two of the better starting pitchers in the National League tough break for Chase hopefully get him back and, and 
you know, in due time, maybe by August or so. But uh, Jimmy Nelson is really uh, thriving right now, and it is again for a lot of reasons but if you want to pinpoint one thing he's not walking guys his command is much better than it's been in the past his fastball commands as good as it's ever been in his professional career and that dates back to when he was coming up through the minor league system as a big prospect and um, he knows that he's got tremendous amount of confidence in his ability to throw strikes with multiple pitches right now Uh, that's that's an enormous um, boost for a pitcher when you're out there and you're behind an account and you think you can flip in a slider for a strike or you can pinpoint a, a fastball where you want it to go so he, he's, he's really been outstanding these past six, eight weeks and certainly leading our staff right now. Um, I agree he's emerging as one of the better pitchers in this league. I think Chase was, was on that track as well, and we're looking forward to getting him back and having that really strong and stable one-two punch at the top of our rotation. How do you feel overall about the bullpen? You feel very good about the ninth inning, I'm yep. sure, with Corey Knable. And, and Jacob Barnes has had a couple of rough outings, but if you take those out, He's been incredibly effective for you, too, in late-inning, high-leverage situations. Carlos Torres looks to be kind of getting himself back into form. Overall, how do you feel about that group, and and do you feel like they've made some big jumps from where they were maybe a month ago? It certainly seems that over the last three weeks that group has has relaxed um, and and gotten into a pretty good groove. I think the emergence of Jared Hughes and our ability to use him in some late and close games has has really helped the rest of the bullpen fall into place a little bit. Um, and then we, we've had guys who have come up who have given us some big innings out of the bullpen, whether it was Paolo Espino um, or Brent Suter when he was pitching out of the pen. And sometimes that goes unnoticed in a lopsided game one way or the other. But when a guy can eat up two, three, four innings and save the rest of the pen, it allows everyone else to take a day off, sure. get a break, and, and stay fresh. And really, more than anything else, I think what's helped is our ability to keep some of these guys fresh Corey's pitched a little less, Jacob's pitched a little less, Oliver Drake has pitched a little less. Um, and when those guys are fresh, they're really good pitchers. And uh, Josh Hader, of course, was one of the big moves that you made about a month ago, and he's uh, pitching out of the pin now. As this season goes forward, as you get into the second half now, uh, and you and Craig talk frequently about how, how you're going to handle some of these situations, will that be one of the things that you look at is how often you can start to throw him now, or will you be careful with not throwing him on back-to-back days no matter what happens? It's likely a continued dialogue throughout yeah. the year. The Step one is let's get Josh comfortable in the bullpen, and I think we're, we're getting closer yeah. to that. Um, you know, He's able to pitch with just a single day off now. Um, he, he's warming up a lot faster in the bullpen. Um, whether we get to the point that he's able to pitch back-to-back games this year, I don't know. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see how that progresses throughout the second half. Um, we'll see what our bullpen looks like throughout the second half and, and where Josh fits into that mix. But he's clearly provided a lift for that group. Um, he's a power arm with, from, the, from the left side, and there aren't a lot of those guys in baseball, and he, he's done a really nice job. Let's talk a little bit about the minor leagues quickly, and we have to start with Corbin Burns, uh, this yeah. guy. Uh, just another six innings of scoreless baseball the other night. He was your June pitcher of the month. He had an incredible May. He's just been uh, unbelievable. He's already in double A after starting the year in high A, and, and that doesn't seem to have phased him at all. How do you, how do you guys watch him? What, 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 what is your thought on Corbin Burns? Because he keeps telling you more and more, I can handle this and I can handle that. It's really been amazing to see, uh, a little bit like what Brandon Woodruff was like a year yep. ago. He's met every challenge we've put in front of him, and, and we ask him to, to work on something, and he does, and he improves. And uh, from, a, from a player development standpoint, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. You're looking to put challenges in front of these guys um, and then ultimately have them, have them meet them. And Corbin's met 
challenges about as fast as any player I've, I've been around uh, in minor league baseball. So uh, he's having a tremendous year. Um, we still need to, to recognize he's a year out, yeah. of, out of pitching in college, and um, we need to give him his appropriate time to, to go through the full developmental cycle. But uh, really exciting to have a pitcher develop this quickly um, and, and, and this well, and to pitch the way he is a year out of the draft in double A, uh, portend some really, really nice things in the future. And he's not the only encouraging arm. Freddie Peralta, yep. big strikeout numbers from him. Cody Ponce has been an innings eater. So there's been a lot to like from the Brewers' pitching side of things in the minor league system. Garrett Cooper's having an unbelievable year, and I'm sure it's a, a little bit disappointing for you. Not in a bad way, but there, there's no spot for him up here. He's he's playing so well, but yeah. with Jesus Aguilar and Eric Thames, there's really not a lot you can do for Garrett Cooper right now. That's a good problem to have if you're in your it shoes. It is, and he, he deserves some recognition because he yeah. is putting up a, a, a year unlike too many in, in minor league baseball. Um, he's taken some real meaningful strides forward this year and, and firmly cemented himself as a prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, and we speak about the depth of, of the organization. We don't really know when we're going to need that depth at right. first base. We're um, potentially an injury or, or two away from, from needing someone like that. So uh, what we communicate to Garrett is just to keep doing what you're doing, and, and eventually um, he's going to force his way into the big leagues, and, and, uh, and he'll certainly deserve it. You had uh, Britt Phillips up uh, for a little bit this season. Lewis Brenson's been up for a little bit this season. And both of those guys have done what you want to see when you send them back down. Yep. They, have, they have come back down, and they've done nothing but hit the baseball hard and consistently. That's very encouraging. It is. Both of those guys took both their times here and their subsequent demotions uh, very professionally. And, mm-hmm. and I think they learned a lot while they were here just in terms of the big league lifestyle how things work in a big league clubhouse, the pace of game at, at a big league level, which is faster um, uh, than, than at the AAA level. And now they're going back and they're taking those lessons and, and, and they're really putting up impressive performances in, in the Pacific Coast League. So uh, we're going to see those guys back here. We know that they're, um, they're a big part of this organization. And uh, it's exciting to see them continue to, to progress in AAA. First-round draft pick, Keston Hira, is playing in the Arizona League in rookie ball and DHing and hitting and doing nothing but hitting. Yep. Uh, he's hitting 483 as of right now with three triples, two doubles, and a home run. He's driven in 11. He's just been incredible at the plate. And he's going through a throwing program at Maryville to get himself ready to eventually go to Class A in Wisconsin. That's the plan. How close is he to starting to throw and play in the field again and, and, and get that promotion to Wisconsin, in your opinion? So Keston is throwing daily. He's not throwing in defensive drills yet, but he is going through that, going through that progressive throwing program where he starts out at 60 feet and then he moves back, and ultimately he'll be at about 180 feet, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll get him participating in defensive drills. And until we see him on the field yeah. playing defense, we're probably looking at another month or so. Um, but really, we're going to take this at Keston's pace. Um, it's been a little while since he's, he's yeah. thrown, and um, we've got plenty of time. There's, there's no rush, really. We're, just, we're thrilled to have him out in the field every day, thrilled to have him hitting, and he's doing exactly what he, we thought he would. And news earlier this week, 11 international signings as well from the Brewers, including Larry Ernesto, yep. uh, an outfield prospect that uh, seems to be very highly thought of switch hitter. Uh, toolsy guy that's yeah. what you're looking for when you're making those international signings it is any anytime we're we're in that international space with some of these younger players we're, we're really looking at what they can grow into in the future when you when you sign and scout a 15 or 16 year old kid um, 
you have to really think about what is this person going to be like, what is this player going to look like when he's 22 or 23, because that's when he's going to hopefully make it to the major leagues. And uh, with someone like Larry Ernesto, you see the raw talent, you see the athleticism, and we're very excited to get him and, and all these other players into our organization, get them with our development group, and get their professional career started. Well, David, we appreciate it. Uh, a lot of fun. It is. Uh, this is a fun time of year as well. It's a busy time. It's always a busy time of year for you, but uh, this one, another especially busy time of the year. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lane. Appreciate it. David Stearns, Brewers General Manager, with us here on our monthly installment of the David Stearns Show. Checking in on the farm. Again in AAA, Colorado Springs, Sky Sox 21 games over 500. They sit at 55 and 34 on the year. They're in first place in the American Northern Division of the Pacific Coast League. Lewis Brenson's been hot since getting sent back down by the Brewers, sitting 339, 10 home runs, 42 driven in. Brett Phillips, 293, 17 home runs, and 66 RBIs. Sky Sox currently in the midst of their All Star break, the PCL All Star game coming up. Uh, on Wednesday night, and so Garrett Cooper is going to be the representative for the Sky Sox. Why? Because of the year he's having. 366, 17 home runs, and 82 driven in for Garrett Cooper. Lewis Brenson recently played in the Futures game on Sunday in Miami. He went one for four with a double, and he drove in a run. And the other guy from the Sky Sox that played in that Futures game was Mauricio Dubon. He played for the world team. He went one for three with a double. That's not all. He's been providing some offense and some excitement for the Sky Sox since his promotion also. He rips it in the air to left field. It is hooking, and it will go off the wall on the fly, and around the wall it goes. Dubon at second base, hitting third. On his way home, not even close with the throw. Another inside-the-park home run for the Sky Sox. The second of the twin bill. This one for Mauricio Dubon. His first AAA home run is an inside the Parker. And the Sky Sox pulled it within one at 4-3 to three here in the bottom of the third inning. That is Dan Atchison on the call for the Sky Sox. Dubon has only committed one error in his 14 games with the Sky Sox also. On the mound, Taylor Youngman's 5-1 at the 2.45 ERA. Angel Ventura's 4-1 with a 3 ERA. And Bubba Derby is 2-0. With a 2.49 ERA. In double A Biloxi, the Shuckers are sitting at 45 and 43 overall. They are currently sitting at 9 and 10 in the second half. And uh, they are right in the mix with Jacksonville and Pensacola for the top spot in the second half right now in the South Division of the Southern League. Clint Coulter has 10 home runs to go along with 34 RBIs. Jacob Nottingham was the Brewers' minor league player of the month for june he hit 317 during the month of two home runs and he drove in 11 and on the mound the pitcher of the month for the organization was corbin burns the right-hander now has made seven starts since getting promoted from the carolina mudcats he is two and one with a 1.06 era how about michael choice though? here's the one pitch on the way to him Swinging a high drive, deep charge, left field. Goodell looks up and, whoa, kiss it goodbye over Kayavette and beyond. An absolute bomb by Michael Choice. His fourth home run of the season. 
and it's five for Shockers. That is Chris Harris on the call for the Shuckers. Choice has been red hot recently. He had three home runs on Monday night, came back on Tuesday night, had another home run. So he's been doing some really good things for the Shuckers. We go to Class A Advanced Carolina. The Mudcats currently sitting at 45 and 42. They are 9 and 10 in the second half so far. Trent Clark has heated up recently. And hitting ninth is Brandon Diaz. Pitch here, Clark swings and hits a high drive. Deep to right, back it goes. Goodbye! Home run for Trent Clark. And the Mudcats lead just like that in the first inning. It's one to nothing on a home run. The eighth this season for Clark. Clark's average is up to 244. It was down in the low 200s just a couple of weeks ago. He's been hitting over 360 over his last 17 games. He's been red hot, three home runs in that stretch as well. It's been good to see Trent Clark get it going for the Mudcats. Class A Wisconsin, the Timber Rattlers are 7-12 and 12 in the second half. They sit at 33-54 and 54 overall. Tucker Niehaus has 12 home runs. He's driven in 41 on the year. T-Rats, though, just having some struggles. They're very, very young, and that's one thing to remember. That's one of the younger teams in the Midwest League, and they're going to see some more prospects make their way up there from Helena and probably Arizona before the year is all said and done. Speaking of Helena, the Helena Brewers are sitting at 11-11, and 11, and the Arizona Brewers are sitting at 11-3. and three. The Arizona Brewers have had first-round pick Keston Hira hitting for them. He's been a DH. He's not been playing in the field, but he's had an unbelievable start to his professional career. And they welcome Tristan Lutz into the fold. And I had a chance to talk to Tristan before he took off for Arizona. First off, Tristan, congratulations. I, I know this is a tough process. Uh, the last month has probably not been the easiest of times for you to go through all of the decision-making process. I'm going to guess you're glad it's all behind you now. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a little bit stressful, you know, after the draft, kind of having to go through negotiations and being kind of unsure of where I was going to end up. But, you know, I waited it out and everything worked out, and I'm just very blessed and very excited to be a Brewer. You get a chance to take BP on the field at Miller Park, and that's always a really special thing for everybody. Were there butterflies first time through? Oh, yes, sir, a little bit. My first round was a little shaky. I was a little bit amped up, but after that I settled in and just kind of did what I know to do and just had had a lot of fun. It was a blast and something that I'll never forget. You get to interact with some of the guys. What were some of the things that stood out to you about things that some of the current big leaguers with the Brewers were saying to you as you were going through that process? Yeah, it was just, I mean, they're normal guys. You know, they go out there and they do what they love, so a lot of them always have a smile on their face and they're just really happy and they've really kind of talked to me and just kind of kind of showed me the little bit of, or not showed me but kind of explained what it is to kind of be a big leaguer and what you need to do and some people gave advice about how to handle yourself and how to you know work your way up through the minor leagues and you know everything all in all it was great the guys were great and it was really awesome to meet all of them you were a texas longhorn commit and Corey canable is a 2017 all-star yeah. for the brewers and he played at texas did you seek him out when, when you got a chance to get into the clubhouse and see the guys yeah yes sir he was one of the first one of the first uh players i met and he yeah he gave me a big hook of horns and it was it was really cool to meet a guy that went to ut and and talk to him it was, he was a really nice guy and it was it was really cool to talk to him 
Being from the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area, you're seeing high-level arms at, at the high school level. Um, obviously, it's not professional baseball, but you're going to see velocity. You're going to see some some big-time guys playing in that area. How, how do you think that will help prepare you for what your next step is going to be now? Yeah, I mean, in Texas, I would argue with anybody it's the best best competition around and in the in this country. So I would say, you know, was, I think it'll prepare me for future knowing that I've already seen – some of the top talent around the nation. I mean, obviously the players will get better and better, but I feel like it's kind of prepped me a little bit for the ups and downs because, I mean, you're not always facing the really subpar people. You're always, it seems like you're facing some pretty good arms and you struggle at times some, you know. But um, I think it will really prepare me for the future in, in baseball, yeah. You have a lot of power. That was one of the things that people talked about when the Brewers picked you. Um, where, what are the other strengths of your game that maybe get overshadowed by the power that you show? Yeah, I would say that I have a, a good hit ability too, not just the power. I feel like I'm a good all-around hitter. And then also, you know, defense and my arm strength is something that I've really took a lot more seriously over the last few years. And it's something that's getting a lot better and something that I think is a, getting is going to be one of the stronger parts of my game as well. So. We're, we're talking with Tristan Lutz. Uh, one of the newest members of the Brewers organization. What What is next for you? What's What's your path through the rest of 2017? So, yeah, it's um, I'm going to Arizona for uh, rookie ball, and then I'll be there until probably the end of the season, you know. I don't know when that is exactly, but I'm there until the end of that, and then I come home, and then if I go to Instructs, if not, you know, and then after that it's just wherever the Brewers want me. <laughs> Well, Tristan, we appreciate it. Congratulations. I know this was a, a big moment for you and your family, and best of, look, best of luck moving forward. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. It's awesome. Very impressive young man. How did Tristan Lutz do in his debut for the Arizona Brewers? Two home runs just a couple of nights ago. Really impressive stuff. One other Brewer did play in that Futures game, I should add. That was Corey Ray. He played for Team USA, and he went 0 for 2. Uh, while Brinson and Dubon both were at least able to collect hits. So very encouraging. Three Brewers prospects in that Futures game. Here's what's on tap. Well, we've been talking about it all season long, and that is the 1982 reunion, and it's finally here this weekend. Uh, all three days of the Philly series, there's going to be special stuff going on for the Brewers series against the Phillies. Friday the 14th, that's a 7-10 start. First 20,000 fans receive a Paul Molitor replica jersey, courtesy of Experience Fitness. Saturday at 6-10, before the game, fans are going to get autographs from some of their favorite players from that 82 team. And then, of course, Harvey's Wallbangers are back for a special 1982 team reunion and pregame ceremony. And then on Sunday, all fans, all fans are going to receive a 1982 AL Champs replica ring courtesy of Chevrolet. It's going to be a really special weekend. We hope you'll be able to come out for it. Call 414-902-4000 or visit Brewers.com for tickets. Hope to see you out at Miller Park. All right, that is going to do it for me and this week's edition, episode number 90 of Brewers on Tap. We'll talk to you again next week as we get the second half of the season underway. Have a good one, everybody.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.